This is an ABC podcast. This is the moment. I can't see the mother on the tape, but I can see baby here. And I go forward a few frames and I see it. Someone has picked up baby. When I realised I'd lost baby, I felt sick. I felt I felt sick and a bit cold. And so I looked all around the shoe shop, no baby to be seen. Shop assistants hadn't seen a baby. Um, and in my mind I was thinking, I can't possibly have lost baby. It's baby, she's attached to me, she's part of me. Yeah, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. Welcome to Days Like These. We're a show born in extraordinary times with stories about the most unforgettable moments in a person's life. And before we go any further with this one, let me be very clear. The baby they're talking about today is not a real baby. Our story from reporter Monique Bolley is a story about not a baby, but a doll. An extremely ugly little doll and a mother's desperate quest to find her at all costs. Let me describe Baby. She is yellow. She's got a faded white little face that's pretty mouldy. Instead of a mouth, she's got like a little mould stain and instead of a nose, she's got like another little mould stain. Baby was Marissa's childhood toy. They've been together forever, 36 years. And then she's got these creepy little wool tendrils of hair tufting out. And around her face, she's got this really grubby little bonnet and a little tag under her chin that says, baby. Um, she's also weirdly got a hole where her butt would be. So she's she sort of comes with a butthole. It's a running joke between me and my friends that baby is cursed. Everyone thinks baby is creepy. Um, as a joke, sometimes my partner will put her in the bed and then cover her with the blanket so that when I hop into bed, she's the first thing I see and it gives me a fright. Everyone hates Baby, everybody except me. And my toddler son, Raph. Baby! And to Marissa's toddler, Raph, Baby is as precious as an actual baby. Raffy loves Baby with the passion of a thousand sons. He thinks she's the greatest, softest thing. Like, she's the doll that I carried when I was a little girl. She's the doll my son carries when he's little. And I sort of never realised that I'd like his children to carry baby around when they're little in the future too. She'll probably last forever. When you become a parent, there's a lot of advice that people give you. Most of it's terrible. But one of the best pieces of advice I ever got came from my most trusted friend. She said, Every child has a chosen one, a chosen toy. One day, and the day will come, that toy will slip through your grasp. Whatever you do, make sure you've got more than one of them. My toddler has backups. We have five identical lambs, all lined up in a drawer like some morbid toy coffin, so that when the day comes that we lose one, we are ready. We have a plan B, C, D and E. And today it's a story where there were no backups. There was no plan B. I have never taken baby out of the house before. So 
Thanks to the pandemic, we had not been able to go shopping for new shoes for Raph for months. And I had been putting it off anyway because he hates shoe shopping. It makes him scream. And on this day, I realised his shoes were falling apart. I couldn't really send him to daycare with this pair of shoes. So we had to go and get a pair, a new pair. And I thought, I'll just bring Baby because he loves Baby and it will keep him calm while a stranger is trying to force his, his feet into new shoes. So we put Baby in the car and he held her the whole way to Northland Shopping Centre. This shopping centre is like every suburban shopping centre. That is, there are bright lights, people are rushing up up and down every side, people running into the backs of each other's legs with prams and kids running around and laughing. It is noisy and busy and and we don't, don't honestly spend a lot of time in shopping centres because I find them really overwhelming. We went all the way through the shopping centre, all the way up to the shoe shop, um, got Raph fitted with his shoes. He screamed the whole time, was completely miserable. So I was paying for the shoes um, and I looked down and I realised we don't have baby anymore. I felt sick like my stomach had just dropped into my butt. I shot out of the shoe store. I wheeled the pram frantically through the shopping centre all the way back up to the doors, retracing my steps past every shop we'd looked into, everywhere, and Baby was nowhere to be found. Not on the floors, not, you know, handed in at any desks, nowhere. When I realised I couldn't find Baby by myself, I went straight to centre management, to the infodesk. I think I must have seemed quite frantic. But I was both trying to smile and be friendly and make a positive impression as I asked for her assistance and also weirdly trying not to cry. And then I described baby in detail, which was really strange because it's very hard to describe baby in positive terms because she's really quite hideous and certainly not something that looks very precious. They kindly took my name and number and said they'd definitely give me a call if anything turned up. But as I turned to leave with Raph, I just thought, this is hopeless. I don't think, I don't think I'm ever going to see Baby again. I got home and we went about our normal nightly routine and I just couldn't stop thinking about Baby. I just felt this aching hole where Baby should have been. So I decided to reach out for help through the power of social media. I am a member of a few different mum Facebook groups. I found an old photo of uh, Baby and I put it on Facebook and I just said, I'm an idiot. I took my son's favourite doll out of the house. We've immediately lost it. If, if anyone was at this shopping centre between quarter to four and quarter past four today and you happen to see this doll, please let me know. We really want to bring her home. The social media mummy mafia respond in droves. Someone has an inside link to centre management. They have amazing CCTV, she says. They see everything. So the day started out like any other. It was a normal morning uh, and then we got the call. I knew exactly what I had to do. This is Taz. She's the head of security. She's seen some things in her six years, but this is no normal day. Okay, just to get some scale on what we're dealing with here, this shopping centre is a Goliath. It's the largest single-level shopping centre in Melbourne, which is the capital of shopping centres. There are more than 330 shops, 
more than 95,000 square metres of floor space, there are more than 5,000 car parks ferrying thousands of shoppers in and out every day. It was kind of a bit of a needle in the haystack. I'm imagining a CSI Miami-style situation here, a vast scale of CCTV cameras with a wall of screens, hundreds of angles, hours of tape to pick through. Taz starts forensically picking through the tape. We were given some brief information uh, regarding roughly what time she had come in. Um, And there was a brief description also of her pram, the colour of her pram. So we had a time frame, I think, of about 20 minutes. Um, But we couldn't, with the description we were given, we couldn't, it wasn't quite enough um, to find it. Uh, So I decided to go up the mall um, and see if I could find anyone stopped that stopped in front of the front shop front window with a pram. And I also widened the search parameters to about 10 minutes either side of what she'd mentioned um, because generally people's times aren't quite as accurate as they think. Uh, so I widened it and then I ended up finding a lady at the shop front window uh, who stood there for a few minutes and then she continued up the mall in the path that I would think to the next shop she mentioned. Uh, And then I decided to backtrack her to when she'd actually entered the entrance door and I could see the little boy had the toy on his lap. Bingo. A sighting. Oh, I was ecstatic. And then the next camera that I could see, I could see he still had it in his lap. And then the next camera up the mall that faced the little boy, um, I could see that it wasn't there. Taz finds the exact moment when baby was dropped then watches in horror as it gets plucked from the floor. So then baby was put on a planter by a customer. It sat there for an hour or so uh, and then another customer um, popped it off the planter bed and put it in the bin. So I wake up in the morning and I roll over and I check my phone and I have a notification on Facebook. So... My heart is pounding. I call centre management at this shopping centre and I say, I'm baby's owner. Do you have something to tell me? And they say, we've cited her on CCTV. We potentially had found it. We knew where it had gone, but whether it was still there or not was another, another question. And I say, I will get there as soon as I can. It's been 17 hours since baby was put in the bin. Taz is worried. Cleaners are fastidious. We're in a pandemic. It's hygiene to the max. Well, I was devastated because I thought maybe the bin had been emptied. It's a race against time because if a cleaner gets there first, it's over. So the bins get emptied into a general compactor. So once something gets to that compactor, does it ever come out? Absolutely not. I speed to Northland, one kilometre over the limit, catching every red light. And as I was driving there, I was thinking, wouldn't it be just my luck if they find baby and then something happens to her and I'm too late? She's been thrown in the trash, she's been misplaced, or it was a mistake. And actually they saw something else mouldy and yellow on the CCTV. So when I finally get there, um, I go to the desk feeling really teary and really anxious and I said hi I called this morning um, about a little yellow doll and there's another woman standing there who I've never seen before called Taz and she says you must be baby's person 
And I was like, yes, yes, I'm baby's person. And she said, I tried to find you on CCTV, but had no luck. I just thought, damn it, I was right. <laughs> it's all over. Baby's gone. Um, then Taz said, someone scooped baby up and put her in a pot plant. Then someone else picked her up and put her in the bin. I'm so sorry. I mean, I thought my heart had dropped before. I think it basically just died in my chest. I just thought, oh my God, to have got so close. And then Taz holds up a plastic bag and says, So I went down and fished her out for you. She's had a rough night and she'll need to run through the washing machine. And then I really did burst into tears because I suddenly had baby back. Yeah, couldn't stop thanking us and couldn't believe that, that we'd, we'd actually found it. And we were kind of apologising that it ended up in a bin, but she didn't care at all. She said that, you know, it doesn't matter, he's got it back. Yeah, I was just happy that they got it back. You know, I've got a young son as well and he's very attached to a toy, so if someone, if I lost that and someone found it, I'd be pretty stoked. And I'd want someone to do the same for me. I get baby home, I put her on the mantelpiece and I go and get Raph from daycare and on the way home from daycare I say to him, I found baby. I found baby and it was really hard but I did it with lots of help and you're going to be really happy when you get to cuddle baby again. And he just started saying, baby, baby, baby. Baby. And he ran straight over and picked her up and gave her this huge cuddle, grinning his little face off. He was so happy. And I was just like, oh, Rafi, that's so cute. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> and then he um, threw baby to the ground, forgotten, uh, while well, he started playing with a little toy egg that he has. And he didn't look at baby again for the rest of the night. Great. So ungrateful. Hmm, so ungrateful. <laughs> Lessons learned from this definitely include... Do not take anything precious out of the house. Baby is an at-home toy and she doesn't leave the front door. I guess the thing that surprised me was just the effort that some people will go to to help someone else when they have literally no skin in the game. Um, I found that really heartwarming. Thanks to reporter Monique Bowley for that story. Next time on Days Like These, an Antipodean rock star gets swept up in forces beyond his control. I mean, I turned on the TV and the second plane hit just as I turned it on and all I remember was thinking, I want to get out of this country. Even if I do think that band name is slightly geeky, it's our story. Unfortunately, it was also co-opted by those people that flew into the World Trade Center. And so it was like, we fought for 15 years to release a record in America. I'm not going to see that slip through my fingers because of the name we'd chosen one night when we watched June. We 
you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so we can keep you in the loop, give us a rating in your podcast app of choice, or share us with a friend. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Coolass. Our lead reporter is Pat Abud. And our Season 1 reporting team includes Alex Lolback, Sam Wicks and Monique Boldy. Our researcher is Tamar Cranswick. Sound design on this episode by Angie Grant and Kerry Dell. If there's a story you think we need to hear, please email us. Days like these at abc.net.au. You can send us a voice memo or a note, or tell us about someone you'd like us to talk to. Finally, a huge thanks to our incredible executive producers, Rachel Fountain and Ian Walker. Our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. Extra music by Russell Stapleton. We'll see you next time. just beginning the parenting journey, or you're halfway through and looking for the nearest rest stop, ABC podcast Parental as Anything can help. Parenting educator and author Maggie Dent brings you tips and answers to real-world parenting dilemmas, as well as other great conversations with parenting experts. Most of all, Parental as Anything gives you ideas on how to raise healthy boys and girls who thrive. Clark, you're at the other end of the parenting journey with a teen and adult kids. How did your expectations of fatherhood change over that time? Oh, it's changed so much around the way you view kids and their potential. I think early on, I was so focused on, I wanted them to be everything and I wanted to be a perfect parent and I just, (laughs) I wanted them to reach their potential. Um, And what I've realized over time is to allow them to emerge as their true selves, be wonderfully them, don't even come close to trying to be perfect. And the great quote I heard one time was, the universe gives you the kids you most desperately need to grow and develop. And, and I, we have three great, fantastic kids who still teach me every day. I love that. And that's something I don't think parents are aware of. The natural fact being on the parenting journey is equally about us as it is about our kids. Find Parental as Anything with Maggie Dent on the ABC Listen app wherever you get your podcasts or play it through your smart speaker.